Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. It is the week before Christmas, and we hope that you enjoy your family and friends over the holiday. And our desire is to be able to equip those of you who are wanting to step out and have those conversations with family members about the gospel. And one of the difficulties that I have found in having those conversations is that sometimes you have like two groups of people, those who are just adamantly opposed to the gospel, and we would approach those people differently. But for this other group of people, they're superficially connected to Christianity, but they actually haven't been born again. I know I have people in my family who are like that. Perhaps some in your own family have this also this, this false sense of assurance. The question is, is, are there constructive ways that we can speak with these family members? And I'm not just, we're not just talking about tactics. I mean, obviously we should have salt in all of our speech, but we kind of need to know what the substance of our speech is. And so the question is, is, is there are objective signs to conversion? And Jesus said, yeah, there are. there are. There are true objective effects. When he spoke about the new birth in John chapter 3, he compared the work of the Holy Spirit to the wind. This is what he said in verse 8. He said, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now notice Jesus said, you hear its Sound, that is, you hear the wind sound. What does that mean? Well, it means that we're aware of the wind. We are aware that something is happening. We can hear the wind howl. We can hear the, we can see the branches of the trees swaying. The wind leaves evidence. And Jesus is saying, so it is with the Spirit in converting a soul. We hear the sound of the Spirit, so to speak. In other words, there are signs that conversion has taken place because it actually accomplishes something. So we're going to offer you some signs of true conversion over the next several episodes, but I want to offer one important qualifier before we begin. And brothers, please remind our listeners of this as we move along, because I think this is subject to to a, a gross misunderstanding of what we're going to say. These signs that we're going to offer you are going to vary between truly converted persons. Just like all oak trees have a great variance between them. Some oaks are acorns, others are seedlings, others still mighty giants of the forest. So we're not saying that there's this one standard that must always be met in every particular sign. But we are saying that truly converted Christians will have these signs, although some may be very small like acorns, while others may be very evident like mighty oaks. Can I just jump in really quickly and just hopefully provide some clarification going forward? It is never our job to scrutinize somebody else to determine whether they are a child of God or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying we're going to try to give you ammunition to dissect the spiritual life of somebody else. What we're trying to do is give you information to help you as you guide and direct conversation. Mm-hmm. 
Because what the, the scripture says over and over again is that each of us is to examine our, our own hearts to see whether we're in the faith or not. So what you're trying to do is equip them with information, hopefully sound biblical truth, to encourage introspection on their part to say, hmm, I'm busy with a lot of activity at Christmas. I talk about Jesus Christ at times, but am I really truly a child of God? Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to have you go to your family and friends and say, well, you are clearly not a Christian because I don't see X, Y, and Z. Correct. No, 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 no. Right. We're just trying to help you with conversation that might then elicit a response on the part of, of the person that you're in conversation with. Right. Either one of you gentlemen want to add anything else before we begin? Sorry. Well, yeah. No, that was good. I'm well, glad you said that. And, well, and maybe, maybe to, to dovetail with, with what Russ just said. Um, also, there's, there is not in life just one path to conversion. I think um, for, for lots of Christians, uh, we've, we've looked to the Apostle Paul as the, as the kind of uh, model of conversion. He's this rebel who's out to destroy the church. He's a persecutor of the church. He's gone to Damascus to arrest Christians and haul them away and persecute them. And he's struck down on the road to Damascus uh, by Jesus Christ and has this instantaneous, dramatic conversion. Mm -hmm. Well, that's Paul's story. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened to him. Yeah. And... Just because your conversion may not have been instantaneous and dramatic and this immediate move from darkness into light, uh, well, uh, Paul moved into blindness, actually, but uh, <laughs> don't, don't take one model of conversion and say that that must fit every believer. No, there, there's, there's lots of different uh, stories of conversion and all of them, and, and this is why we're going to point to a lot of uh, to a, a handful of signs, uh, not just one kind of story. Yeah, there's only one way to be converted. That's through faith and and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ. But conversion can be instantaneously instantaneous or it can be a slow burn on yep. the soul where yep. you, you can't really put your finger on when that happens. That's exactly right. Okay, um, just. Uh, help out if you want to read up on what just phil phil just talked about you can go back to two classics one is jonathan edwards um, religious affections Mm -hmm. sam storms actually updated that book took the truths of that book and wrote a book called signs of the spirit an interpretation of jonathan edwards religious affections and then um william guthrie another puritan wrote a book called um, the christian's great interests um, which talks about the differing ways that people come to um, come to Christ and that there isn't a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. and it, it's going to look differently for different people. So, Plus, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote a book called Experiencing the New Birth, uh, published by Crossway. Super good book. Um, everything M- MLJ does is good, though. So, <laughs> Okay, sign number one. And we haven't heard from our beloved colleague, Jonathan, today, so maybe we'll hear from him first. <laughs> um, sign number one. Um, and by the way, these are in no particular order. Um but here it is. Sign number one. One who is converted <coughs> is conscious of the work of the Spirit of God upon them. One who is converted is conscious of the work of the Spirit of God upon them. Brothers, can you explain this? Perhaps, you know, what maybe it doesn't mean what it does mean. 
And is there a scriptural justification for it? Well, I think Phil was talking about not all conversion experiences are the same. And this is an important point to make because, um, you know, in in our life with Christ, uh, you know, looking back, some people can't even name that day. You know, some some people, it's such a significant um, occurrence in their life that they remember where they were, what they were doing. Uh, it's it's like other big events. But the most important conversion, uh, most important part of the conversion story is not, do I remember the date, but do I recognize that, you know, somewhere in A.D. 33, Christ Jesus died for me. Yeah. That's the date that I need. And so I think that uh, we recognize that. And because we recognize that, I'm not the man I could be or would be. Uh, and I'm not the person that I should be, but I'm on my way. And uh, God, has, God has changed me. There's a transformation taking place. And it's, uh, it's going to take time, you know, because I'm constantly killing the remaining sin that exists in my life as I, you know, follow Christ. Um, but the most important part of this whole thing is the recognition that Christ has died for me, covered my sins, uh, forgiven me, given me eternal life. Mm-hmm. Paul will write in Galatians 5 that we're supposed to walk by the Spirit. And then he says, goes on and says that the life of the Spirit is opposed to the life of the flesh. And then he, he talks about all of these signs that we're still walking according to the flesh, that we're still walking as those that have not experienced true conversion. And then after he lists all that, he says again, if you live by the Spirit, you also keep in step with the Spirit. And then he goes on to say, well, what does that look like? Yeah. And then he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. Right. So one who's converted is conscious of the work of the Spirit. There's this whole idea Paul talks about in Galatians here, keeping in step, living by the Spirit. In Ephesians, he'll talk about living by the Spirit, not grieving the Spirit. So there's this sense that we are aware of the indwelling of the Spirit within us as he um, is not just a, a, a separate entity mm-hmm. um, that's outside of us. The scriptures make it clear that he is dwelling within and we are in communion, if you will, with the Spirit um, that we're keeping in step with, we're walking with, we're, we're not grieving. There's an awareness of mm-hmm. The, the spirit's activity in our in our heart and life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the upper room when Jesus was preparing the disciples not only for his crucifixion but his resurrection and departure, he told them in John fourteen um, sixteen and seventeen, he said, "I will ask the Father; he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth." So he's saying, "I'm going to give you the Spirit of Truth," and then he makes this important qualification whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so Jesus is laying the foundation right there about the Holy Spirit. The world does not know the Spirit of God, but you do. He dwells in you. And so I guess I'm deducing from that that there is a a, a consciousness, and I'm not saying that that's, again, uniform in every mm-hmm. way, but mm-hmm. there's a consciousness that I, I've... I've been invaded in one sense by the Holy right, Spirit. Right, right. The God, the God is speaking to me. Mm-hmm. That God, by His Holy Spirit, is speaking in my heart to call me to Himself. And 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 you know that it's not just you, and it's not just the pizza you ate last night. 
uh, that um, th- that's a sign of the indwelling of the Spirit. Uh, and, and it's a confirmation of your conversion because that didn't come from you because the world can't know him. Uh, so take that as assurance, believer, that that tug on your heart is the Holy Spirit of God. Romans 8, um, 26 is often misread, misapplied, misunderstood. Um, the Spirit's work within the believer and, and the intercessory work of the Spirit. Um, but the Spirit is actually working within the in the child of God, interceding um, and providing. He's the mm-hmm. Spirit of intercession. He's the Spirit that's within helping us to even pray. Right. And so... One of the, I think, one of the most significant times when we understand and um, are conscious of the work of the Spirit is in times of prayer. That the Spirit is interceding, in essence, within us to help us to to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, for me personally, I think one of the times where I sense the Spirit. And the most conscious of the spirit is is when I'm on my knees. Mm-hmm. Well, Russ had mentioned earlier um, a passage similar to Colossians two six: "As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him." And it is good to reflect on uh, you know what it was that has brought us to Christ. We were needy; we needed Him. He's sufficient for our salvation, and. Uh, the fact that we're no less in need of him now as we were back then. But sometimes, um, you know, in an easy believism sort of society, we tend to um, we tend to trust some of our own actions rather than the reality of Christ in our heart. The, you know, so maybe we've got written in the back of our Bible, um, you know, the date we were converted. And so that becomes the basis of our assurance um, instead of, um, the fact that Christ has done something to us. Mm-hmm. And we, we go on perhaps even with a false sense of assurance. God wants us to be assured about what we're doing today, not about what we did 30 years ago. Yeah. Amen. Well, you have been listening to the Gospel for Life. We've been going over the signs of conversion. We hope that you will join us tomorrow. See you next time.